With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. It has been a good week for whistleblowers in China as Beijing announced new whistleblower protection regulations for those wanting to report health emergencies. It has been a bad week for China's largest online travel agency, Trip.com, whose revenue continues to fall due, of course, to the global pandemic. And it might potentially be a century of good news for the environment in the future, as President Xi Jinping announced that China will be carbon neutral by 2060. With all the important news, both good and bad, here's what has been happening in China this week. There has been yet another twist in the ongoing TikTok US-China saga, A federal district judge has blocked a key part of U.S. President Donald Trump's TikTok ban, which was scheduled to go into effect at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Sunday. Following a 90-minute hearing Sunday morning, U.S. District Judge Carl Nichols rejected part of the U.S. Justice Department's argument that barring Trump's order would, quote, infringe on the president's authority to block business-to-business economic transactions with a foreign entity in the midst of a declared national security emergency, unquote. The ruling comes as ByteDance struggles to find a deal with American company Oracle that would satisfy both Beijing and Washington. As of Wednesday, short videos bearing the hashtag SaveTikTok attracted 1.3 billion views, Contents of the videos ranged from rage over the potential loss of the app to whether the fight would affect the November U.S. presidential election. In other China-U.S. news, the Chinese foreign ministry hit back against U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's espionage allegations against its consulate in New York, calling them, quote, purely malicious slanders, unquote, aimed at justifying the U.S., quote, wanton acts of closing China's Houston consulate in July. Wang Wenbin, a spokesman at the Chinese Foreign Ministry, told reporters during a press conference on Friday that, quote, Pompeo's allegations concerning Chinese diplomatic and consular missions in the U.S. and their staff are purely malicious slanders, end quote. 
Continuing international news coverage, the FTSE Russell announced it will add Chinese government bonds to its flagship index, the World Government Bond Index. The inclusion of government bonds on the index will potentially bring around 150 billion U.S. dollars into onshore China government bonds, supporting both bond return and the RMB in the first year alone, according to CSOP Asset Management Limited. The FTSE Russell is the last of the three major global bond index providers to include CGBs, Chinese government bonds, following Bloomberg and J.P. Morgan Chase and Company. The inclusion on the FTSE World Government Bond Index is scheduled to take place in October 2021. While international news continues to dominate China news, international travel has definitely been put on the back burner. Chinese online travel agency Trip.com revenues continue to plummet as fallout from COVID-19 lingers. China's largest travel agency reported revenue of 3.2 billion yuan, $448 million, for the period between April and June, down 64% year-on-year, with its four major businesses of hotel reservations, transportation ticketing, package tours, and corporate travel all falling. Of the four major revenue sources, the packaged tour business was hit hardest, representing an 88% decline on the same period in 2019. For those looking for silver linings, hotel reservations and corporate travel revenues increased 9% and 29% respectively compared with the first quarter. In other domestic news, Caixin's new economy index fell in September, largely due to a drop in capital inputs. The contribution of high-value-added industries, such as advanced equipment manufacturing, to China's total economic inputs declined in August, a Caixin index showed in early September. The MasterCard Caixin BBD New Economy Index came in at 30.4 in August, indicating that new economy industries accounted for 30.4% of China's overall economic input activities. The reading was down from 31.5 the previous month. Of the 10 tracked industries, the new information technology industry was the largest contributor in August, making up 11.4 percentage points of the new economy index reading. China developer Evergrande has denied it is seeking government support. The denial follows a letter dated August 24th circulating online purportedly sent from Evergrande Group to the Guangdong government, warning that the developer could trigger a series of risks in the financial system if it fails to complete its asset restructuring. In the letter, the company says its cash flow may collapse as it may need to repay 130 billion yuan, approximately $19 billion, to strategic investors. The debt-ridden developers, however, denied the authenticity of the document and said it has reported the alleged defamation to the police. Earlier this month, Evergrande announced a nationwide sales promotion with 30% discounts on all real estate properties, part of the developer's effort to boost sales and meet its target of cutting debt by half. Beijing's municipal government has passed new whistleblower protection regulations for public health emergencies. Whistleblowers with, quote, non-malicious intent, unquote, would not be punished even if the information turned out to be false. However, the new rules did not specify how non-malicious intent would be defined. 
The regulations also granted municipal and district government bodies in Beijing the power to take relevant measures to contain public health emergencies, including lockdowns and restrictions on residents' movements. Those individuals who breach isolation treatment could face criminal charges. And finally, this week potentially saw one of the most important environmental announcements in recent years. China will be carbon neutral by 2060, President Xi Jinping announced in a virtual address to the UN General Assembly in New York. Xi said China would aim to reach peak emissions before 2030 and become carbon neutral within the three ensuing decades, adding that the COVID-19 pandemic was a reminder of the need for humankind to, quote, launch a green revolution, unquote, adding that, quote, the human race cannot ignore the warnings of nature over and over again. The Chinese pledge followed U.S. President Donald Trump's address to the assembly that assaulted China's environmental record, saying that, quote, those who attack America's exceptional environmental record while ignoring China's rampant pollution are not interested in the environment. They only want to punish America, and I will not stand for it. Let's turn now to Matthew Walsh, China General News Reporter for Caixin Global. Uh, Matthew, you've got a pretty disturbing story for us, and I should probably let listeners know that it centers on a suspected suicide, in case that's something that listeners don't want to hear about. So, Matthew, tell me about what, what happened. Yeah, so recently uh, I've been working uh, on a story about um, a nurse called uh, Zhang Yanwan, um, who tragically uh, died in July after falling from the 13th floor of a hospital building um, at the hospital that she worked in in, in Wuhan. Um, and the first thing I must mention at the start is that, unfortunately, some of the details of her death remain unclear and her family and friends and colleagues are still hoping for more details to come to light. Um, but a preliminary investigation by the police uh, with the assistance of the hospital uh, appears to show that she may have uh, killed herself. Um, and it's not clear exactly why, but um, her family and friends say that it could have been a combination of the trauma of uh, treating COVID-19 patients in Wuhan at the start of the year. Obviously, Wuhan was where the brunt of China's epidemic took place, uh, combined with... Um, you know, tensions between Zhang and her hospital bosses that played out over the subsequent months. So Wuhan Union, um, her hospital, was one of the hardest hit um, hospitals in Wuhan during the, 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 um, the peak of the epidemic. And in January and February, Zhang was working very hard on the, the, the front lines of that, treating patients. Um, and at the time, the hospital was was experiencing a lot of chronic shortages of, of personal protective equipment, um, and Zhang uh, allegedly didn't um, didn't feel particularly satisfied with the protection that she and her nursing colleagues were receiving. Um, and in a couple of posts on uh, social media, she actually ended up calling for um, the hospital's director of nursing to quit. Um, that didn't happen, um, and then Zhang tried to resign, but the hospital wouldn't let her. Now, in the months that followed, Zhang continued to work for, for the Wuhan Union even after the epidemic uh, subsided in the city. Um, it's unclear exactly what happened over the next few months, but it appears that um, she was disciplined by her, her managers. Um, one uh, technique 
used to discipline her seems to have been uh, forcing her to write repeated self-criticisms about her outspokenness during uh, the height of the epidemic. Um, and, you know, Zhang eventually um, died on July 29th. Um, unfortunately, she leaves behind a husband and one child. So I understand that her death has really sparked a lot of conversation nationwide about China's nursing profession. Uh, is that right, Matt? Yeah, so um, Zhang's death has really refocused attention on um, China's understaffed and overworked nursing sector. Um, in the last few years, the Chinese government has really tried to recruit more and more more nurses and higher educated nurses, uh, but the country still suffers from really persistent shortages. Um, two years ago in 2018, um, there were 2.94 nurses per 1,000 people in China, which is below uh, a, tw an, a 2020 aim of 3.14 per 1,000 people. And that's you know only about a third of the ratio that we see in the European Union and other developed nations. Um, in addition to that, many nurses in China complain of low pay um, and complain of long hours as well. Um, many nurses say they're given excessive clerical or administrative tasks like writing incident reports that add to their workloads and stop them from doing what they're best at, which is obviously treating patients. Um, and as a result, you know, China has you know, droves of nurses leaving the industry um, to seek alternative employment because of this, the, the, the huge pressure and the lack of favorable working conditions um, across the industry in the country. Matt, as you said, Zhang was a frontline medical worker during the worst of it in Wuhan in the late winter and spring. So I'm wondering, how does the story reflect the psychological trauma experienced more broadly by, by healthcare professionals uh, during the outbreak? Yeah. So first of all, it's important to bear in mind that we probably shouldn't try to link Zhang's case in and of itself to um, some of the factors the sort of ancillary factors that we're talking about today. Um, but it has kick-started this conversation um, about the mental health of uh, people who work in China's nursing sector. Um, now, due to some of the causes that I just spoke about, um, Chinese nurses commonly report a number of work-related mental health complaints like high stress, low mood, uh, exhaustion. Um, some of these feelings are... are brought on or exacerbated by verbal or physical confrontations with patients, which happens relatively commonly in China. And, you know, in recent years, a number of studies, admittedly with quite limited sample sizes, have indicated that mental health issues may be rife in China's nursing sector. So in January, uh, in January this year, an industry magazine published a survey in which 31% of nurses at eight hospitals in Beijing said they suffered, quote, moderate psychological abuse at work, usually through verbal bullying or teasing from more senior colleagues. Um, and in 2018, uh, nearly 3,500 nurses uh, in the eastern province of Anhui said they experienced um, emotional distress due to exhaustion at work. So when you take these clues of widespread mental health problems across the industry as a whole and you add in COVID-19, um, you, you really do have a bit of a recipe for disaster. Um, a study published earlier this year, for example, uh, by the peer-reviewed American Journal of Psychiatry found that nearly half of more than 2,000 frontline and non-frontline medical workers at key hospitals in Wuhan experienced depression during the peak of the epidemic, 41% experienced anxiety, 
and 62% felt elevated stress. Matt, thanks for sharing this important story with us. I look forward to having you back on again on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Tsaishin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Venkata with stories from the staff of Tsaishin Global. Special thanks to Lee Sin and Marcus Ryder of Tsaishin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Be sure to check out the other shows in the Seneca Network on SupChina. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SupChina Access for the daily newsletter. Find us at SupChina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.